Hey everyone, we're back. Episode 100. Yeah, you heard that right. 100 of the District 3 podcast. I never thought we'd make it here, Manny. Yeah, here we are. 100th episode. We haven't had an episode in like two weeks, but yeah. uh, we're back. You know, I think we took a little, I don't want to say a break because we were both doing things, but um, I'm excited about the next 100 episodes. That's kind of been quite a ride, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been taking a break. Uh, I know you haven't. Yeah, you've been you've been I'm super taking busy. my breaks here and there. I can't say I've been here every week, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's important that that we that we show up here every week and that we're talking to guests and stuff and and uh, just getting to know new people, creating new bridges, and learning from people. I think that's the most important part because, like those 100 guests, uh, well, it hasn't been 100 guests, but. Uh, probably dozens and dozens of guests that we've had. Close, close to a hundred, maybe at, close. At least ninety. Probably. I think we've done like some episodes, me and you, probably like five of them or yeah. four of them. Yeah. Right. But we've had some some really cool guests that we've learned so much about. Yeah, I think that's like my biggest takeaway is that it's 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 just a learning experience for me. Just mm-hmm. like all the cool people, um, getting to talk to all of them and and seeing like what they're involved in, things that I wasn't aware of. Um, programs that uh, you know now I keep in touch with and mm-hmm. that I uh, you know try to connect people to that I feel like I wouldn't have been able to help people in that same way if we never got to do this I mean that's that's the craziest thing for me is that like you know I I feel like I, the other day okay uh, I ran into an old co-worker from when I used to uh, be a waiter at Outback mm. and uh, he was talking to me about uh, an episode we did uh, that his JP was on and oh. and he, he was like yeah yeah I I, uh, I I didn't know it was my JP but my JP uh, somebody said that this was my JP and you should hear it. and then I was like oh that's Manny I'll listen to the whole thing mm, and uh, you know legit. yeah yeah it was like uh, just one of those cool experiences you know that I think you and I have had a lot of because of this uh, whole podcast experience and yeah you know, doing th- it a hundred times I think <laughs> we we talked about this before but what, do you remember how you started getting involved with the podcast? Yeah, well, you just asked me, like, come by one day. And you, Dude. <laughs> but let's talk about, like, okay, be- before then, it was, like, you came to a, a event, a community event. Yeah. We had a rally. Uh, it was a immig- I think it was an immigration. It was a vigil. A vigil. For yeah. the caravans. For the caravans, yeah, and documented immigrants. And, and uh, you came and took pictures. Yeah, and I remember that I was I wasn't a big I, I love photography, but I I was a big like document everything I do kind of face. You don't even carry a camera around anymore. Yeah, I know. What I was that? Do, what was that? Like? Well, uh, it then I was well, I was mostly practicing with my DSLR, but like my iPhone camera has gotten so good. Uh, I mean, like that was three years ago almost. Yeah. Um, and uh, cameras have come a long way, even mm. in that short bit of time so yeah my camera just takes i've traveled since then and uh i remember putting my iphone camera up against my other camera I'm like man i'm just taking great pictures <laughs> otherwise yeah but yeah yeah i was there and i was just uh doing some i think you sent me a message i forgot i don't i don't know if i asked you to send me the pictures but i think you sent me the pictures through twitter yeah that um and then it was another thing we, we went to i was at the uh Benton County had a hearing on yeah the two eighty seven G two eighty seven G, and um, I, a lot of our friends now well they weren't you know I wasn't as close to these people then but like a lot of my friends were there, and uh, yeah I was just also just taking pictures then and I think 
I've been been seeing you at these things and mm-hmm. we're just connecting. Yeah. yeah, and I think I knew of you uh, because I know that like you're uh, Melissa's cousin because I know yeah. Melissa because yeah. we graduated together from Spino High School. Shout out SHS. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I had heard of you, but I didn't like. I guess I didn't picture you like wanting to be involved in any of these these kind of things. So whenever I started seeing you there, I was like, that's cool. Maybe I should reel him in, you know, like to for him to get a little bit yeah. more involved in stuff. And uh, and I was thinking, I think I think I told Diego, I was like. We need to add a third person, uh, but I feel like this person has to be, you know, someone that is a good communicator, can can talk to people, feels comfortable talking to complete strangers, and being bilingual is a plus, you know? Right. So I remember you going to those two events, and I was like, let me ask Manny, see if he wants to, if he wants to do it. And I asked you, and you were, like, up for it from the beginning. Right. Yeah. And- I was, and I was... Uh- I think during that time of my life, too, I was saying yes to absolutely everything. <laughs> like, people would invite me to go, like, uh, just do cartwheels in, in, in the park, and I would say yes. I was like, yeah, let's go try it out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff I quit doing, um, but now we've done this a hundred yeah. times, you know? Yeah, and I think you, I forgot, I think the show, the first show you came, you might have helped out behind the camera, yeah. and then the second one, you were in front of the camera, and it's been like that ever since. Yeah, because... Uh, cause, we had another Springdale person, uh, our friend Ken Low, Big Low, was yeah. on there to perform. And, uh, you know, he, I've just known him since I was like 13. So it was just an easy thing, I think, for him to be a little more comfortable to, you know, we were just talking it up on, mm-hmm. on the show and I introduced him. Yeah. yeah, and I think it helps also that, like, podcast-wise and chemistry-wise, we have a lot of things in common. Right. We have a lot of, like, I feel like our morals align really good. Yeah. And... I think we have a lot of the same like just ideas and like perspectives and and uh I think that's kind of what's kind of helped us continue doing this together without getting well, annoyed with it, each other you know what was it for you though why why were you like yeah let's start a podcast I know you and Diego were like kind of just talking about it and you guys had mm-hmm. done some stuff with the radio prior right yeah I mean I, I have been coming to the Springdale Civic Center with La Zeta like for years for mm-hmm. different events. Thank you to Eddie, who always leaves the airwaves open for me for anything that I need, you know? And I, I would come for like all the events. When I was running for office, I was here all the time too. So I've always felt comfortable like in front of the mic because of that reason, because all that practice. So I think one time I was just like, I think there is some sort of of uh, like voice or voices that are missing on the, in our, on the online and also on the airwaves, you know, talking about local issues. Right. And there's just so much to talk about. There's so many amazing people here in Northwest Arkansas and Arkansas in general. And a lot of the times you won't hear their stories. You won't hear the work that they're doing because no one highlights them. Right. right. Not everybody gets an award. Not everybody gets a recognition or shows up on like that business 500, uh, 550, whatever list, you know, 40 in their 40s. No one. Not everybody shows up on there. And sometimes yeah. the people that deserve those recognitions more or just to be highlighted, um, they go unnoticed. So I think this podcast is kind of meant to highlight everybody, everybody that's making, you know, some sort of, of movement happen in the area, uh, artistic people, people that are just up to something good. And I think that's kind of what, what, uh, inspired me to do this. And I, I think I reached out to Diego and, uh, and I was like, Hey, let's do this. We got my camera, uh, Josh Mahoney helped us out with the mics and, uh, and we started doing it every, every week. I think we, we, we used to film on Wednesdays, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
then we'd go afterwards and get a drink like every <laughs> every every show i think we would go get a drink and yeah stuff. i feel like it was mostly just an excuse to hang out at first yeah you know it was fun like we were just having fun mm-hmm. and uh, we're still just having fun i think and just like yeah uh just a reason to, to get together and, and talk about these things that like yeah we have these shared values mm-hmm. and it's important uh work that we feel like we get to be a part of um and those relationships got stronger because i mean me and diego we weren't best we weren't really like great friends back then yeah i tell diego all the time that i thought he was a jerk you know like i <laughs> i tell him i told him today you know like yeah. back then i was like dude you're a big old jerk like yeah. i didn't even like he's still you. a bit of a jerk he but is, we love but, him but we have, boy. you have to kind of like you have to have the perspective of having patience with people and realizing that you know people are a certain way because of like their past experiences or uh or how they were raised and stuff like that and diego is definitely uh like a acquired taste right but for us <laughs> <laughs> shout out diego who's listening to this but like i i have learned to really really care for him well for you i think other people just love him yeah. like first impression too you know <laughs> we'll say that no, he's gonna listen to this he's gonna text me afterwards but we love you diego but we're gonna before we come we're gonna continue talking a little bit more about the podcast but we're gonna take a little a little break and uh, listen to a song from a local artist his name is Young Jefe. The song is called Logramos, and we'll be right back after this quick song. Yo, Jefe, man, you know what it is, man. We on for real, man. Fuck how you feel. Shout out Arkansas, man. Shout out Sprinter. You already know what's happening. Young homie going to Dale Trump with Billy. You know what I'm saying? Logramos el ambos En el 479 no paramos Yo le armo en los tanques We no ir en la tierra y no voy a hacer Logramos le damos En el 479 no paramos Yo le armo en los tanques We gon' hit it like there ain't no way to Cause I'ma hit it how we go about In the day, we ain't no doubt that we gon' make it out Shout out, shout out H&A now You hungry boy, you better take precaution on the action now Cause you know just how we go about Hit you with that one, two, now your lights are out And we chasing on that money route Do it for the family, ain't no other way around up on that cheese and I get up on some boats. I count up on this money, ain't no way it turn on me. It started out for nothing, and you see me on my feet. I hustle like a king, ain't no way of stopping me. Mexicano really running all up in my jeans. On that Cougar B, we go off like it's a spree. You know what I mean when we roll up with a tent. You know what I mean when we roll up with a tent. That was Young Jefe, Logramos. Um, 
yeah, these, he's a, uh, a young artist from, I believe, Springdale. Um, and this song is kind of like a mix of like cumbia and rap. So I listened to it. I really enjoyed it. And I really wanted to share it with you all. Um, and we'll try to like showcase local artists every every week. Try to put some, some new people out there. Um, but yeah, Manny, you just turned 27 or 26? 27, yeah. 27. Ooh. I was, yeah, I, I, I think I was like 25 when we first started. 24. So yeah, it was about three years ago. Some, something like that. Uh, don't die this year because you'll then you'll join the 27 club. Yeah, club thanks, Irvin. Yeah, Amy Winehouse, Valentina I, even, I know it's a curse. Jimmy, Hen- no, Jimmy Hendrix. Jimmy Hendrix did die at 27. Oh, he did too. And yeah, did you say John Lennon? Did he was he 27? Okay, and then Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Did you hear me mention Valentina Lizalde? He's also yeah. 27 years old. You gotta include the the, the Mexican the Mexicans in there too. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's uh. Yeah, I don't feel any older. I feel like I was 27 for, like, the last two years. Um, 27 is a good age. I, I enjoy 27. Yeah. But when you hit 29, that's, that's when the one. back problems begin. That's when you start getting all these, <laughs> Oh, like, I've got back problems. I've had this thing. Uh, we got to go visit um, our boy at La Vida Chiropractic. Um, Anthony Lee? Yeah, that's right. Because uh, I've had this thing on my neck for, like, two months. It's Ooh. just the worst. No, I've, I've definitely got uh, just stuff from, like, maybe uh, playing football for too long. Mm. Um, Are you one of those people that like when you feel something in your body you get scared? Because I am. I'm one of those people that ignores uh, what my body's telling me, Um, and it usually because it'll usually go away the next day. Man, so I think I had a pain on my left, like abdomen, lower abdomen, like a really bad pain. But it was like after I worked out really intensely and I Uh didn't cool off recently. Uh, like three weeks ago I didn't cool off like I didn't do like the cool off workout that I was supposed to do it was like five uh-huh. minutes long and I was like I gotta dip <laughs> and I didn't do it and uh, the next day I got this horrible pain like it was really really bad I could not ignore it and I was so scared I was like if this pain continues I'm gonna have to go to the ER we've already been to the ER like so many times this past month like yeah. these bills are piling up you know and I was scared and uh, I googled it you know I googled I googled that it wasn't my appendix it wasn't uh, my liver uh it said that it's usually whenever you have a pain there, it's usually muscle pain yeah. or it's like the bottom part of your colon. So I knew it wasn't my colon. It couldn't be my colon. So I just assumed it was the muscles and the muscle pain and it went away eventually. Yeah. But at that time, I, I thought the worst. I was like colon cancer for sure. I definitely have like some knee pains and, and things like that that have developed in the last few years. I've got Deputrin's con- contracture on my right hands. Uh, if anybody wants to, feels like Googling that, you can look at some really terrible pictures of what my hand used to look like pre-surgery um, which is a surgery that I got uh, like a year and a half ago um, while we were still doing this podcast what else what else has changed in the in the since we started this pod do you feel like Northwest Arkansas obviously it has changed I feel like it's it's come really long ways but at, at the same time I feel like the last I don't know, two and a half years or so um, have kind of flown by. Uh, we started this podcast in 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. So we have a new president. Around. Yeah, we had a new president. <laughs> yeah. People don't have, I mean, people still fear deportation, right? But I guess the fear is a little bit less right, right now. Yeah, I mean, 287G was a, a we had oh, mentioned yeah. at, at, at the top, and that was a big thing that, uh, where one of the times that I connected with you, um, and Washington County 
repeal mm. 287G. I mean, that was a huge win for the community, yeah. communities that we advocate for. I was thinking about that the other day because I went to the jail for my job and I was going to pick up some checks. And uh, while I was picking up my checks, uh, Sheriff Tim Helder came out of his office. Yeah. And uh, I, I had a mask on, so I was just looking at him. I didn't know if he recognized me or not. And then You're he, very recognizable without with, with your mask am on. I? <laughs> yeah, you are. Why? Well, you have a build. You have yeah. you have like a stature to you. So I, I I'm sure he knew it was you. Well, he was looking at me, and I I guess for me I didn't know if like he recognized me. Uh huh. So I was just looking at him, and I I think it looked like if I was like mad dogging him because I was kind of like this, <laughs> closing my eyes a little bit, just like trying kinda to see if he recognized me. Or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, he recognized me, and he said hi, and it was kind of weird, you know, because. You know, Sheriff Tim Helder, uh, for our community, has always been seen as like, you know, like, like the um, what's the, what's that um, what's that character in Super Mar- in Super Mario when you get to the end Bowser Bowser he he was a he's a our community ba- he's our community's wow. Bowser because he yeah. holds like the like the key to eliminating two eighty seven G so for us like you know and I and I don't think I ever went in depth in on the podcast but I think I I, well, I wrote an article about like my meeting with him mm-hmm. before it got can- before it got terminated and uh it was a pretty intense meeting so right. you know and just I forgot just a few months afterwards it was announced that 287G was terminated during yeah. the pandemic and stuff so um I was thinking about that last week cuz I had seen him yeah um, and not something that you know he he said he was going to get rid of it and uh it's not something that he's brought back yeah. Um, even as the pandemic, obviously, it's we're seeing like a resurgence in cases. But even as the as the jail started filling up again um, with people, it's not anything that he felt was like, yeah, let's let's this was a good program for us. Let's do it again. I think it was a perfect ex- to ex- public excuse to use, you know, the pandemic to terminate it. Um, I do have to do some follow up with him, though. I just kind of want to see, you know, besides 287G, there's still secure communities, which is still an anti-immigrant federal program this is this one can't be terminated by by any kind of county judge it's more federally so we still have to look into that just to see how that's kind of still been affecting folks that are arrested at the uh washington county jail but ben county still active active yeah. and hopefully that gets terminated soon but any any other changes any other changes that you've felt like you've seen i mean we both moved new houses yeah yeah we've moved i feel i mean you got a new job uh, oh, yeah. My positions have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, we've traveled a lot. We've both been to yeah. DC. Yeah, we've yeah we have <laughs> been in <to> DC. <laughs> right. Sure, I feel like that's a pretty good transition. Let's yeah. let's go ahead. I did and that talk. on purpose. Yeah. Oh, that's. I want to talk about myself. It's your hundredth. It's your hundredth <laughs> episode. You know, it's, it's definitely me, not your first. Uh, t- talk to us. I mean, a, a little bit about. Uh, you know, you took a really cool trip recently. Yeah. Met some some giants in in oh. um, political activism. Talk mm-hmm. to us a little bit about. Why you went to DC and, and what you True. did? So, I was cutting my grass and uh, it was really hot outside. I remember that. And um, I was actually for my job. I was trying to set up a tour of the New Beginnings um, organization slash homeless um, location in Fayetteville that's ran by uh, Solomon Birchfield. This is a new place where homeless folks will be able to have housing. There's little small houses that he's uh he's been coming up with this idea for quite a while now and it's finally you know it's finally set they'll be taking applications soon i think they're already booked to be honest i think these little houses have been built like recently right yeah yeah in the past few months and i think like i said i think they're all booked already people have been reaching out and stuff like that 
So I was trying to set up a tour with myself and our intern at the Bell Project. And, um, and he said, you know, besides me setting up the tour, he was like, hey, last minute. I don't know if you're up for it, but, you know, the Poor People's Campaign is doing a, a, uh, a action in D.C. And we're sending folks from our chapter here in Arkansas. Would you be interested in going? And, dude, I've been wanting to go to D.C. for a long time. Yeah. It's bucket list. I love history. I love, like, just going to places where there's so much history in D.C. Yeah. I mean, there's so much history there. So um, I had been telling my wife, Myra, that I wanted to go there and we want to do, like, a vacation there soon. But she's already been there. And she's not a huge fan of the weather. So she was kind of, like, pushing it back. She was like, Seattle this year or, like, Salem <laughs> this year, Salem, Massachusetts this year. Yeah. D.C. maybe in, like, two or three years. So whenever I told her, she was like, yeah, if, if, if you want to go, I mean, you've been wanting to go and, and I don't have to go. You know? so, <laughs> so, so she was like, you like, could do it. And I told my boss, my boss, Madeline, she's legit. She's yeah. like, go ahead and of do it. Of course, she was like, yeah. You know, I still worked a little bit from over there, but she was like, just do it. And, um, you know, I, I, Myra made sure that she had people here with, with her. So she had friends, Iris, shout out Iris, shout out Michelle. Shout out Myra's mom who stayed with her while I was gone so that she could have some company. And, uh, and yeah, I left. It was m- myself, Abby, Abby Howard, uh, Reverend Jim Parrish, uh, Alice Gachuso, uh, and Kaya Gachuso, and uh, Anika Whitfield, Dr. Anika Whitfield from Little Rock. And uh, Derek Van Vos was over there too because he's the uh, personal assistant of Reverend Jesse Jackson. Um, so we went over there, man. I, I visited everything I wanted to visit. I was very bummed that the uh, African American Museum was closed until the day that we left, but still it couldn't be booked. Like it has to be booked yeah. like months ahead. You yeah, told that's me. something that we te- texted about. But I was there. Yeah, I was outside. And it's a beautiful building. Uh, I loved it. I, I I got to go there in the night, and and it was beautiful at night too. But I visited everywhere I wanted to visit. I went to the Washington Monument, the White House. Um, Did you see Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln. Yeah. I touched the Washington uh, Monument. Like I've always wanted to just touch it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I went up to it, touched it. Um, weird. It's that's a weird building, you know. It is. I just don't. I don't get it. Yeah. But like, I guess it's just a memorial for George Washington, right? You know, first yeah. president. Makes sense. I but guess you it's know, just a weird, just a giant. St- like I've seen it in movies, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just go touch it, just say yeah. I touched it. So whenever I see it in a movie or a show, I'll be like, hey, I touched that. You yeah. Know? And. Uh, I went to the Arlington Cemetery, and that was pretty cool because I always wanted to go. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a huge fan of JFK. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that he did that I really appreciate, and they were very innovative, and he was one of the youngest presidents ever. Um, I don't agree with him in some things, Cuba, whatever. Um, but I, I visited his grave and, and Jackie, uh, Jackie's grave, which I admire her a lot. And I didn't know that they also were buried next to their two um, uh on un- board child children oh, that they really? lost yeah yeah i think one i think one ended up uh living for a few days i believe but they were buried right next to them it was like patrick kennedy and i forgot the name of the of the baby girl on the side but they were both there and then right around the corner uh robert f kennedy was was buried night i mean i i also admire a lot of things about robert kennedy specifically because he was one of the first like presidential candidates to canvas in the hood in California. Yeah. He went around with Dolores Huerta, who's one of my biggest like role models, you know, and uh, they they were trying to get that Latinx vote. You know, they went to the hood and knocked doors and stuff like that. Yeah. And of course, he was uh, killed in 1968, um, and when he won the Democratic primary, 
So I had a lot of respect for him. So I went to go check that out too. So that was cool. Uh, yeah. Doing that as well. And overall, just, just meeting, you know, getting the opportunity to, even if it's for a few minutes, talk to Reverend Jesse Jackson, talk to Reverend Barber. Um, I met people like, like a uh, Windsor nosy, who's a, um, he's currently the leader of the Apache stronghold in, in uh, Arizona and just talk, talk to him, you know, talk to him about like how we can work together and how they can do things to protect undocumented people as a tribe, you know, as, as they're uh, in the reservation that they have. Talk about things like that. And he's someone that we'll probably have in the podcast in the next few weeks because he's already agreed to do it and we have his number. So we'll probably be interviewing soon. And uh, just being able to get all that information from folks that are that I admire so much and uh, being able to see all those like places that I saw on TV when I was a little kid uh, and just the overall experience. I got arrested for the first time. Yeah. Which was, I mean, pretty cool. You know, I got arrested. So for the right reason, I think that's why yeah. it's cool. Right. It's not, it's not necessarily cool just to get arrested, but you did it for, you did it for, for the right reason. Yeah. I mean, we were with the, with the poor people's campaign and the purpose of, of us getting arrested was literally just to advocate to Congress for um, a higher minimum wage of, of $15 uh, to extend the eviction moratorium for folks that are going through eviction right now for a um, comprehensive immigration reform and for better access to health care for folks. So that was, the, and there was, there was quite a few more things, but those were the things that people were mentioning the most. And um, yeah, we, I was on the, in the first group of people that got arrested. Like I was literally, you know how people say like I was in the front lines? I was literally in the front lines. Yeah. And I wasn't trying to be <laughs> like, like, like that wasn't my plan. I was trying yeah, to I was yeah. going to get arrested. Right. Uh -huh. Like that. I, th I thought to myself, I'm going to get arrested. Luckily, my job at the bail project, it's actually a plus if you have like arrest history, you know, okay. because we work in the system. So yeah. my boss knew ahead of time that I might get arrested. So she was cool with it. Myra was cool with it, too. Um, so I was they, they when we were when we were marching, they said, hey, we're going to go in alphabetical order. So from every state. Like, if you start with the A, you're going to go to the front, right? Yeah. So they were like, well, Alaska's not here. Alabama, I don't know where they're at right now. Yeah. Arkansas, yeah. all you Arkansas folks, if y'all can go in the front and, and the like hold the banner. Camacho. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And so Arkansas's in the front. We're holding the banners. We march from the, I think it was from the metro station all the way to uh, the Capitol building in, in D.C., and then we get around to the Senate building where the, where the Senate uh, convenes. And we were outside and we, st we stand in front of it. And uh, Reverend Barber was like, everybody who's standing right here in the front are going to be the first ones to get arrested. <laughs> so why, but maybe for, for, the, for the listener that doesn't understand, why, why did you get arrested? Like what was a, a charge or what's the reason that, you, that they arrested you? So... Uh, we were uh, in the middle of the street. Yeah. So we're obstructing. Yeah. And I mean, there was no traffic there. Like, there literally right. no cars were passing by there. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's in it, the city knows that these things are, are are happening. Like. Yeah. They get word. Yeah. Yeah, and and we had we had already gone trained of of everything that we should do and we should what we shouldn't do, and uh, they told us that after the third warning, like in our training, you know, the third warning would probably get arrested. So they did the warnings. They said. If, First warning, you're going to get arrested, blah, blah, mm -hmm. Second warning, and we stood there, we were singing, um, we were chanting, and then we ended up getting arrested. And uh, they took us to the side. Uh, there were so many people that they couldn't take us to the police station. There was like 200 people, or close to 200 people. And um, 
they took us to the side and each officer came to get one person so they came to got, got me put us in line and then everybody was waiting there um what helped us get processed quicker is that somehow we were put in the group with reverend jesse jackson and reverend barber yeah and uh and reverend liz from the poor people's campaign they're the co-chairs and uh, once I saw that we were put into a group, we're like, we're going to get processed quick, you know, because, I mean, Reverend Jackson and, and Reverend Barber, they do this all the time. <laughs> they, yeah. Like, I'm surprised they still got to pay fees because they do this, like, literally every week. So they put us in their group. We were the first group to get processed. And, uh, and yeah, they, they let us go after we took a little mug shot outside next to a police officer. And, uh, and it was, I mean, it took us, like, an hour for the whole process. But for everybody else, it was, like, four, three, four hours. Right. So it was long. Um, what was funny was the next day whenever we went to go pay our fees because whenever they give you a citation, you have to pay a $50 fee, um, which, I mean, I guess this helps out the police department when you think about it, right? Because it's like over like close to 200 people getting yeah. arrested, $50 uh, fees each one. Sure, yeah. And uh, I was there to pay my fee. I think we went like at 7 in the night. And right when, it was, right when I had already gotten out, um, uh, the reverend shows up mm-hmm. to pay his fees. And it was it was hilarious because I mean he you know he showed up late and he shows up in like black Escalade you know really really cool dude uh, and uh, it cracked me up because one of one of our friends uh, Kaya I'm not sure if you met her before but she's she's the daughter of Alice Gachuso so it's Kaya Gachuso yeah yeah she 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 was also paying her fee right and she comes out and uh, Derek Van Vos is there too yeah. So Derek is the personal assistant of Reverend Jesse Jackson. So she, so he was there to accompany the Reverend, and she comes out, and the Reverend's right in front of her, because he was waiting to to be let in, and Kaya comes out and she just says hi Derek and just walks past the Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, she was there to guest of dine, you know. I know, but it cracked me yeah. up because this dude has done so much for Here all of us. Yeah, the you legend, know, the right. Reverend Jesse Jackson has done so much, and I bet that like gave. Uh, Derek a good ego boost, you know, because he was just like, hi, Derek, and just pat, walk past oh. and, then, and then afterwards, like, we talked about it, and she regretted it. She's like, I yeah. want to apologize. And he was on our flight. Yeah. Because whenever we came back to XNA in Bentonville, he was actually, before we go to XNA, we had to stop at Chicago. Yeah, your connecting and he, flight. And he lives in Chicago. Yeah. So he was there, and I, I got to, like, I went up to him, and I was like, because you, you only got a few minutes before you get on your seat. And I said, hey, Reverend, thank you for all you do. And he just extended his hand, and I shook his hand. And I was like, man, like, this guy's history. Everything yeah. he's done, mm-hmm. you know, on his, everything he's done on his own. You right. know, what he's organized with Martin Luther King, with uh, John Lewis, you know, rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, it's insane because I, I, I remember I did, like, a, like a middle, middle school or it was, like, a junior high English project on Reverend Jesse Jackson and oh, uh, cool. his, his historic presidential run. Um, all of his organizing work um, and yeah and here we are like connecting to this guy that for me was like you know on a level of activists like MLK you know people that I probably would never meet or even have any sort of connection to he's probably um, the most respected I would say the most respected activist alive today yeah when you think about it right who else like when you think about it who else like he's he just got a recognition like a month ago in France uh, Macron that's how you pronounce it Macron or Macron I don't know probably Emmanuel Macron the, yeah yeah the, the president, president of France mm-hmm. he gave him a recognition you know for his for his work and I mean he was the first I think he was the first uh, black man to run for the presidency yeah I believe you know I think a black woman had done it before but never in, a, in the way that the reverend had 
done mm-hmm. it right because of his recognition and, and the started the rainbow him. coalition yeah. you know and it's still strong today that's what he's doing man this guy's almost 80 years old and he's out in the heat yeah <laughs> it was so hot in dc and he's over there stumbling he's stumbling yeah but he's still showing up like sweating uh and and, and they extended the eviction moratorium so it's not like did. you just go out there and, and advocate for nothing yeah. it's like there, there were people going out there to, to try to get stuff done and it results in actual action and shout out to um cory bush yeah cory bush the congresswoman from i believe st louis mm-hmm. missouri who stood outside the capitol building steps for a few days advocating for the eviction moratorium she spoke to uh, president biden she spoke to vice president kamala harris so i think i think everyone has a part in it but i definitely think that the biggest part goes to Corey for doing that because she stayed there overnight you yeah. know she's she Congress- camped out in front right yeah and I like mean, that's people showed up to support uh, AOC showed up uh, Bernie Sanders showed up like there was a lot of of political folks that showed up but you know for her to just kind of uh, go beyond her role and show like that you kind of do have to be a, a community organizer to be able to like lead effective change even from the outside I think is super important and super right. cool but yeah, I had a trip of a lifetime, took so many pictures. I apologize to anybody that follows me on Instagram because I posted, like, so many pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's not saying anything because he knows it's true, I, right? I definitely <laughs> saw you post every single picture. Um, but, you know, it's it's like this is you're one of my best friends, and, and getting to see that was, was so dope. Um, and just because I know how much I enjoy D.C., you know, my girlfriend works out of D.C. Um, so I, What do you yeah. like about it? I think it's it is like a large city, right? But it's not like a uh, it's not like Los Angeles or a New York, right? It's there's a lot more space, but the diversity's there, um, especially where um, my girlfriend has uh, where she lives, like the place that they lease out of um, a historically black neighborhood, which all of DC is. Mm-hmm. It used to be called uh, the Chocolate City. Um, I just learned that. Let's just, yeah, it, and you learn all the, all this history about the about the city from being there but uh, predominantly black, uh, but this like really range of, of people um, that's like represented in a way that I don't get to see mm-hmm. in Arkansas. And I really have never really even seen in, in other cities. Um, I, I saw like uh, just just a pride in, in being black in, in a way mm-hmm. that I think in Arkansas, people don't necessarily feel safe doing. Yeah. Um, and Little Rock, I think, is maybe the one exception. But otherwise, it's like I, you just don't see that. Even in other cities where you travel for fun, mm. absolutely do not see that in those tur- tourist towns. So Definitely. Um, I think for me, that was really special. That's a really special quality of that city mm-hmm. um, that somehow they've been able to keep that even through all the tourism, all the yeah. people that move there like every single summer. You think of like all these college kids that go and intern yeah. um, for their representatives from all over the country. Um, but still, there's that like heart of, of the city that like stays true. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's really cool about Washington, D.C. Yeah, definitely. I dig that. You going back going back to what you just said about like um, that pride, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of, you know, Alice Gachuso, you know, yeah. she's organized the Martin Luther King parade celebration here in Springdale for four years now. And, uh, you know, just the, the, like everything she's had to overcome in, in doing that, you know, and, and, and just being a leader here in Springdale where, um, there might not be that many black folks, but she wanted to organize this for the number of black folks that are here, 
you know, yeah. for them to be feel proud of where they're from and to feel accepted and to feel loved. Um, so I'm really proud of Alice, and, and I'm glad that I was able to go on this trip with her too because it was her first time there too, and just kind of being having someone that's just equally as excited, like her and her <laughs> daughter, uh, that were just equally excited to see the Washington Monument, you know, yeah. something as simple as that. So it was definitely a, a cool trip. Um, and, and I will say, like, I think this is one that you guys will get to share because she had that experience, but that you guys were part of something historical there because there's there's never really been an eviction moratorium in the United States. Yeah. And for you guys to, to be able to be there and you were advocating for it and it happened, the, mm -hmm. the eviction moratorium was extended like we had just mentioned, like that's huge in the United mm -hmm. States. Um, and you're a part of that place that has so much history. Yeah, I, I can't like imagine just, just you know, how cool it feels. You know what's not huge but should be? More vaccinations. Yeah, in this country, there yeah. should be more. Like that segue, so <laughs> there should be more vaccinations in this country. Yeah. It's not a. It's it hasn't been. I mean, it's obviously a big deal, right? But it hasn't been a big deal to to a lot of people like it should be. Mm -hmm. um, so here in in Arkansas, we have I believe a thirty seven percent vaccination rate of folks that have gotten both vaccines. Uh, I, th I believe fifty percent of the population has gotten at least one dose, um, and uh, it needs to get better. Yeah, you know, like it, it needs to get better because kids are getting sick. Yeah, man. I mean, I've been seeing, I know personally, I don't say personally, but I've known personally of, you know, folks in their 20s that have passed away. You know, we just, uh, Maya was telling me about a, a friend of hers in Fort Smith who just passed away, I think, this week, uh, who is 20-something years old. Um, and, uh, and just, and also just, you know, folks that we know, that, that we know of, Maybe not like personally ourselves, but that are on like ICU or or on a ventilator as well, and and those kids, man, I heard was it like was it three kids, I believe that yeah I forgot if they were on the if they were on ventilators, um, the past few days I saw it on on uh, several news outlets uh, tweet about it, and there's probably more kids in general that are in like that are getting really sick simply because they don't have access they can't get the vaccine they're, yeah. they're under twelve years old. Yeah, but it, but that's the reason everybody else should get it, right? You know, and, and that's something you and I talked about uh, back at the very beginning of the pandemic, something we talked about uh, with other community members. Um, I think we talked about it with whenever we ha were talking about the Marshallese community and how COVID well, Shout was out to Albius for hosting that Marshallese uh, vaccination yeah. clinic. Yeah. yeah two days ago i think and there's, and there's gonna be more we're, and we're, we'll be sharing information i think there's mm -hmm. another one coming up on august 15th okay um in benton county okay. um but you know it's like get vaccinated if you can because you're protecting that your loved ones there and the people that you don't know but now in the case of like children school is about to start here mm -hmm. uh this month or or at the very end of it or the beginning of the next month and we're seeing the cases affect children in a way that it wasn't last year yeah right and uh this delta variant's a little bit stronger yeah luckily you know they're the school boards have been given the freedom to be able to try to to talk about masks and and mandate them if they want to um shout out judge fox judge fox uh made that decision to repeal act uh, 1002 mm -hmm. um but no know, shout out for state senator trent gardner no shout out <laughs> no, for him just loves taking away people's uh ability to make decisions to yeah. help others um but it's like you know get vaccinated to help kids at this point you know get, even if kids aren't dying on mass the way older folks 
have been mm-hmm. the fact that a, a child would is even on a ventilator like i can't imagine yeah. ever n- doing something to n- prevent a child from going through something like that yeah. the trauma and the physical toll that that puts on a person and just I, even i feel weird advocating you know like for vaccinations because you know i, I think to myself the people that aren't getting vaccinated and have their concerns, like, do they see me as, like, what I see, like, Quinon folks, you know, telling you not to get the vaccine because I'm over here, like, constantly talking about the vaccine. Like, if I have some sort of hidden agenda, I right. don't have a hidden agenda. I yeah. literally just don't want you to die. Yeah. Like, I literally just don't want your mom to die. I don't want your kids to die. And, you know, my family, we're fully vaccinated. Right. You know, we're good. Like, yeah. if, if we get if we get the variant, uh, there's a chance that there's a big chance that we're going to be okay. The biggest chance, right? right. That we're not going to get sick and die. So my no. family's good, but we're not pharmaceutical reps. We're not. <laughs> yeah, we're not. We're, we just want to make sure everybody's like, safe. we're not like working for Pfizer or for yeah. Moderna. Like we literally just want people to get the vaccine because we want them to be healthy and we want this to end. You know, yeah. I want to go to a concert. <laughs> I yeah. want to be able to go to a concert mass list or go to a soccer game or go to Europe. Yeah. But in the meantime, we can't do that because I mean, the population is not vaccinating like they should be. Right. Um, so please get vaccinated. Uh, everyone should be able to have access to a free vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely places. I know people, there was a, a big concern when people thought that, like, because they don't have insurance that they can't get vaccinated. That's not true. There's a lot of places that are doing vaccinations, even if you have no insurance. So I'm pretty sure if you look up in your area, whether it be in Walgreens, uh, Walmart, or even these community vaccination clinics that are happening, there are access to vaccines that are free where you don't need insurance. Please share that information with your family members. And we got to get that percentage up because 37% for the state of Arkansas is no good. And uh, we look bad nationally. Yeah. You know, we're not being allowed to go in some places around the country. Like, they'll specifically say, if you're from Arkansas, like, we don't want you here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's embarrassing. That's, That's crazy. That's so embarrassing. Yeah. Like, come on. But put the embarrassing part aside. I, we care about your health. So... Please get vaccinated and also get registered to vote while you're on it if you can. Um, but I think that's the end of, of this episode, man. 100th episode. 100th episode. I'm I'm so glad that we got here. Um, but I guess before we leave, who, who is a person or people who you'd be like, who you'd want to interview for the podcast? Have you thought about it? Um, somebody I would like to have on the podcast. Well, I think we, we always talked about having uh, Congressman Castro or Julian mm-hmm. Castro on here. Um, shout out to the Castros. They have uh, some connection to my girlfriend. So I'm, hey. I'm always been a huge fan as well as to you because they tweet you. Um, yeah. but I also well, think... Castro came to you remember? Yeah, he yeah. And, and, uh, he He's was, he was there as, as part of your campaign, yeah. which was huge. Um... And so, like, he recognizes Arkansas and he recognizes that, you know, this place has uh, a community that, that you know, they, they can help. But I, I also think that um, I would love to maybe get on really soon is, is uh, a, a director of one of these healthcare systems and just talk about mm. some of the, the stuff that's going on within hospitals That'd be um, because of the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, anybody has any connections to those folks? I have one person in mind. I don't know them, but they're like the director, I feel, of Washington Regional. And uh, he's made already some videos for social media, like advocating for the vaccines. Um, So we'll have to reach out to him. Yeah. Uh, One of the people that I've actually been wanting to interview for a long time is coming next week. Eddie Vega. That's right. Yeah. 
Like, I don't think... I don't we think, shout out all the time. Yeah, who owns this place where we're at? <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on the radio, you know, it's... This yeah, Eddie, station. you know, the the uh, owner of the Springdale Civic Center, of uh, La Zeta, used to own the newspaper here, too. Uh, one of the first movers and shakers for Latinx people here in Arkansas is going to be on the episode next week. So, episode 101 with Eddie Vega. And I think there's just so much to, like, talk about there. Yeah. You know, talk about the history of, like, starting all this to what it is now talking about you know supporting so many good causes that he has helped out so many people that he never talks about um so being able to talk and unbox that i think is going to be super cool yeah he he i mean a guy that really has made a lot of success for himself um but does a lot like you said for other people and doesn't really get a lot of credit for it anyways and he doesn't look for it yeah he's he's you know one time i put out a poll asking people like who they want us to to interview yeah. there was two people that had the highest and okay. one i think we'll get her here eventually one is uh uh our one of our favorite teachers marja hignight yeah she'll yeah. be on eventually she's already agreed to it before so she'll be on <laughs> and uh the other one was do you know that guy that walks around springdale the bike that, yes. works at, that works at McDonald's. <laughs> yes, I know. That's he crazy. Was, he I was the exactly second. He about. was the second person <laughs> that people voted on. People want to know about this guy. Yeah. And I see him like every week. You know, he's got the suspenders. Uh huh. And he's a big dude. He has suspenders. Always like on his bike. Works at McDonald's. Man, I feel weird like approaching him if I see him in the street. I don't want to scare him, but. Maybe one day I'll approach him and get him on the podcast. I think it'd be super interesting just to know his story. Those local legends, I mean, those those people that uh, I think the community see um, and never know everything about. Mm. I think, you know, we're just such curious creatures naturally. And we're just like, who are you? Like, dude, <laughs> there was, there was you're this, part of my life and I don't know who you are. There was this know? dude in California when I used to live in Gonzalez, California, um, that he, every day, for hours, he would bring a big, big boom box in the corner of the street and dance for three, four hours. <laughs> so he'd be dancing merengue, cumbia, and like, I'd be like, what is this dude? And I was like five, six years old, but I was like, what is this dude doing here? But like, I'd be interested in knowing his story, you know, yeah. knowing what, what, yeah. why he's dancing, like what his motivation is. So um, I think we're going to have, I'm excited for the next 100 guests of people that we'll be having on this right. podcast. And we'll start at, uh, season four of the District 3 podcast next week with eddie vega make sure you catch us live on 99.9 fm hotline every sunday at 6 p.m and the podcast is also available online everywhere you listen to uh podcasts we'll also be having new sponsors soon which is cool so if you want to sponsor the podcast make sure you reach out too but uh that was episode 100 manny i guess we'll catch everybody next week yeah thanks for listening peace present um and i think was super successful what do you think yeah the numbers were a lot less than they have been in previous year but we were expecting that because you know coming out of a pandemic a lot of people are still scared um safety was our number one concern of course so you know we make sure we have hand sanitizers we have free masks and uh, we try to keep our groups distance as much as we could but the turnout was good i was i was really impressed um 
the local businesses that supported us and showed up, uh, they ran out of food before the event was over. So that's oh, always wow. a good sign, yeah. you know. Okay, good for <laughs> so them. That's a, that's always a good sign. But it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely successful. And what year was this? Of the I might I might have missed that you, you just mentioned that. Twenty sixteen is when we when we started. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so how does this idea come about to organize? Obviously, it's like there's a big Salvadorian population here, so why not do a Salvadorian festival, right? But who comes up with the idea and how do you all work together to make it happen? Okay, so all that credit goes to my mother. Mm. Um, so Pasa Aguilar, she's uh, one of the founders of Salvadoreños Unidos para Arkansas, which okay. is uh, why they, we, we've always named it El Festival Salvadoreño, but we're looking to change the name for the future actually, because it's for the entire community. Yeah. But she's Salvadorian and she wanted to do something for the Latino community mainly, but then it just kind of spread. Um, we just spreading to other communities and started helping everybody that needed help so this really was her dream and passion and she would just kind of ask me for help right hey Jess can you do this can you type this letter out for the president like, oh yeah mom let me, let me do that you know <laughs> yeah. so things like that because moms think that we can do anything right yeah and so then I just kind of got uh, drawn into it and uh, I've been working for it ever since just non-stop uh, then I was voted to be the director of the organization and okay. uh, somehow I um in a way became the face only because I'm bilingual and um, I have a good network so you know it kind of goes hand in hand mm. um, but uh, no it, it all comes from my mother but El Siete de Agosto it's um, El Dia Nacional del Salvadoreño that's why we typically host it okay. on August 7th mm. and that's why it's El Festival Salvadoreño but we've received a lot of feedback from the community and our members saying, hey, uh, a lot of people think this is for Salvadorian people only. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're like, no, absolutely not. Everybody's welcome. We're all inclusive. So we're thinking of uh, a new name. So if you guys want to throw some at us. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll brainstorm something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I think, like, uh, the culture, the Salvadorian culture is, is like, a, a mix of stuff, especially American Salvadorian culture. It's like... Uh, it, it is so influenced by all the other things and I think we can celebrate each other here in Arkansas especially uh, for those of you that don't know the Salvadorian immigrants are the second largest group of immigrants um, in Arkansas um, behind only of course our, our Mexican community um, tonight at, at the show Irvin is the minority for once oh yeah <laughs> this is the first time first time <laughs> Salvadorian's outnumbered yeah uh, but yeah I, I don't know I, I don't have any names that come off the top but we'll we'll come up with something and if our listeners come up with anything I do love that y'all had El Buki Salvadoreño there cause I'm the biggest Marco Antonio Solis fan yeah. and like and I had a friend Alice Gachusa who was there with me and uh, she's African American and but loves Marco Antonio Solis mm -hmm. and like calls calls him like his eternal boo and all that so when we saw the guy show up there we we're like I was like look he's right there <laughs> long hair not long nice hair who is he so a funny story so Marco Montiel is his, his given name uh, his legal name and you got uh, the Marco already yes yeah. I mean his parents knew right they, they uh, yeah they spoke it into <laughs> existence like absolutely uh, but it's interesting. So when uh, we did uh, an interview for our local news station, we're promoting the festival. So we had uh, Marco Montiel, El Buki Salvadoreño, and we had uh, Carlos Torres, right? So I made the mistake of us, you know, I wanted to tell the public, hey, we have Marco Montiel and Carlos Torres. And I said, Marco Torres. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no. So he actually serenaded me at the festival. Mm -hmm. But the whole time he sang it to me and he called me Jackie. <laughs> instead of Jesse, right? Like, so yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But he's been on a lot of shows. Uh, he's actually sung duets with Marco Antonio Solis with okay. El Buki. 
a funny story he told, I think, on uh, one of the Tonight Shows or something was uh, he was in Mexico performing with an artist, and as he's coming back to the States because he resides in Los Angeles, he's getting pulled over. And he's like, oh, here we go again. They think I'm, I'm Marco Antonio, right? Mm. And he gets pulled over, and they're like, no, we we saw you. We want your autograph. We know you performed with wow. him. You were at the concert. So for him, <laughs> that was like the proudest moment because they wanted his autograph, okay. right? So, you know, he's a great singer, very talented. I like, didn't get to hear him that day, but I bet oh, he is. He, well, you got to go watch Salvador Ingenius on, on YouTube and on Facebook and on our okay. webpage because we recorded him live. And, okay. um, yeah, he, he literally sings. He doesn't. Yeah, he no pretende. He actually does it. <laughs> are so, you gonna go check out Marco Antonio Solis and the concerts that are coming up? I mean, are you guys gonna hook me up with some tickets? Yeah. Well, I wish we had <laughs> tickets. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm down. Let's do it. I wish it. we had Let's tickets, go. but both Manny and both Manny and uh, and myself are going separately. He's right. going with his girlfriend. I'm going with my wife and my sister and and. Uh, my uh, mother-in-law. Um, Sounds like you have room for one more. Yeah, You're right, already taking right. that whole Those tickets are expensive, though. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably, what, they're like in the hunt. They're like, they've gone past the normal price now because people are like buying them and reselling them. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to get some whenever we did. Yeah, for real. And I, I remember one time when I was in California, um, I went to In-N-Out, and there was a guy that looked just like Marco Antonio Solis, right? And, uh, but he, he's a realtor in the area. And he's well known because people were mistaken for Marco Antonio Solis all the time. So I took a picture with him, and I didn't say nothing. Like, I, I just posted it on Facebook, and I just did. I was just like, here, you would, if, if you think it's Marco Antonio, everybody thought it was Marco Antonio Solis. Yeah. Look just like him. I remember, I think I even, like, like uh, blackened his beard a little bit more. Oh, And it made him even, it made him look even more like Marco Antonio Solis. And so many people believe me, but... If you're listening right now, it was not Marco Antonio Solis. <laughs> <So did> Jessica, <laughs> if you weren't duped. <laughs> I was just trying to flex so on people. How, how do you book somebody like that? I mean, obviously, like you said, he comes from Los Angeles. That's how big this uh, mm-hmm. festival is, right? Yes. So, um, actually, we typically bring international artists. This is the first year that we kept it national and more local. Um, because we are a nonprofit organization, we're all 100% volunteers. Um, all the money that we do raise goes back into the community in one form or another, and it goes back to uh, countries that have disasters. So okay. when Mexico had that... Terremoto? The terremoto, yeah, uh-huh. the 7.1. Uh, El Salvador had had one also. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we help them, right? Rebuild, uh, help the families, uh, help, help them get uh, groceries and food, and you know, their basics. But... Um, so interesting this year we were like we're not going to spend 10 grand uh we had uh, reached out to many different international groups and the, the, the low low ball we got was 10 grand mm. and we're like no 10 grand is too much because yeah. that takes everything we do all this work and we plan for like six to eight months and mm. then all the money goes to the artist right because then we have to pay all the other artists too yeah. and so actually um he reached out to us Oh, wow, okay. yeah. Uh, all the artists that perform, they reached out to us. Um, other than um, Sensación Latina, which is local, they've been um, friends of ours, and they've been doing the festival from, from year one. But all the other artists, they reached out to us, and they were like, hey, we would like to be a part of your festival. Man, the man that was half man, half horse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't Caballito know what you're... Oh, my God, dude, he was like, he, he sings pretty good, too. He does, he does. <laughs> I Hasta la paquita del barrio. I miss her, señor. but like, oh, yes, I, what's his name? He's local, no? He's local. I've he seen him at different carmeses. He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, all the, all the artists reached out to us that they wanted to be a part of the festival. That's legit. That's so cool. So, uh, y'all are sticking to August 7th? 
Um, we would like to still stick to the same week. If, if we change the name of it, we might move it till you know, okay. a couple of weeks later. So it doesn't interfere with the great festival as well because there's other things oh, yes. going on in the community around that time. Um, because we want everybody to feel like they're welcome and feel invited. So we don't want anybody to feel excluded. I felt pretty welcome. Like, you all were super nice. Like, people just kept on. Like, I, when I got there and I set up my table because I was doing voter registration there, uh, four different people came and helped put the little tent over my, mm -hmm. my table. I think one of them was your mom. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think my daughter, too, she was dressed in a typical salvadoreño outfit, right? she registered right? to vote. She registered to vote. Yeah, yeah she's 18 cool. now. Awesome. Hey, yeah. registered right away. So I'm super excited to go next year again, and I hopefully Manny helps out with organizing. I know yeah. you just asked yeah. him to organize it all. <laughs> we would like for you to join us, too. I'll help. All, helps. all hands on deck. It all yeah, helps. Definitely. Absolutely. And, anyway. and, and it's a celebration of all the local Salvadoran businesses, you know, because mm -hmm. it, there are so many for those of you that don't know lots of great uh places to try traditional salvadorian food go get you some pupusas at the festival but mm -hmm. if not at the festival then you know there's lots of great businesses that are supporting the festival and are part of this community and always give back it's yeah. interesting you say that because um since you're salvadorian you might know what this is but enredado de yuca mm -hmm. i had not had that probably since i came to the states i moved to the states when i was 12 years old okay. and um i had an enredado de yuca for the first time at this festival only because since i was emceeing the day prior so the day before yeah, two days prior we started going and visiting the, our local sponsors right and then the day prior to the event as well so we're doing like some marketing for them right like thank you for you know being our sponsor and what are you going to have you know what are you going to be selling at your booth and so this lady's like, oh, we have these. We started preparing them today, and they were still hot. And I was like, oh, my gosh, really? you guys, she fixed it for me. So um, I probably gained 20 pounds. Be <laughs> but, you know. Worth it. Worth yeah. it. You got the whole year. You get every, yeah. every day. Yeah. So I didn't get to actually sit down and eat ever, but I got to try a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how you work. You know, you go to one booth, and they're like, mm, quiero una minuta. And then you eat it, and then you go to the next one, and you're like, well, he gave me a minuta. I want to know. I wonder if his is better or yours. Oh, let me give you mine, right? And then you go to the next one, you know? And awesome. Compete to see which one's better, and I get to try all the food. Hey, that's dope. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. So you wear a lot of hats, you know. Besides the Salvadorian festival that you help organize with your mother, um, you're also the NWA president of LULAC. Um, what are some of the of the tasks that that position has for you at the moment here? Okay, so currently. Um, we are preparing for our Lulac Gala. It's our 20th year in NWA for okay. our gala, so it's, it's a big deal. We've been in NWA since 2001, and we've given over $600,000 in scholarship money to local students cool. that actually stay local. It's kind of awesome. Um, every year we have a speaker, and uh, our speaker from uh, three years ago is actually uh, uh, Dr. Cesar Hurtado, who was a LULAC Gala my recipient. My wife's doctor. Yeah, so wow. <laughs> I went to high school with him, so it's kind of cool, right? He was a LULAC Gala recipient, and then he was he's a doctor now. He's one of our speakers, you know, yeah. from NWA, received the scholarship. Formerly undocumented, breakdancer, yes, too. Yes, <laughs> Multi -talented, yes. Multi-talented, huh? And so, um, you know, we have um, this year, or I guess I should say last year, we didn't get to host the gala because of the pandemic again. Mm -hmm. So, um but one of a, a local uh, car dealership that the owner received, uh, he was a LULAC, a LULAC scholarship recipient, he uh, owns the dealership, so he donated us a car, and we oh. raffled the car to the community to raise oh. funds because we were short on funds for the students, right? Because a lot of our usual sponsors could no longer sponsor because they lost you know, money on the market, yeah. things happened with the, you know, economically for them yeah. during the mm -hmm. pandemic. So. Um, we have people step up that had been previous recipients, and it's great to meet people that are now business owners or you know engineers and have top level 
positions at big corporations. So that's great. But this year we're celebrating our 20th year. We uh, should already have the date, but we don't, unfortunately, because um, we are a nonprofit organization. And once again, for this foundation, we're also all volunteers. So um, we're trying to cut back on our, you know, our spending, right? So we're still looking for a location that will be a little less expensive for mm -hmm. us. Um, but if any of your listeners want to donate us a location, by yeah. all means, we're open to that as well. <laughs> yeah, and that's and a huge organization, like she said, has been here for forever. Uh, I was a recipient whenever I gra graduated from high school. Okay. Um, I think my younger brother was a recipient as well. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's it's absolutely given a hand to so many people here locally. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you that don't know the history of LULAC, so it was founded in 1929. Which is the League of United Latin American Citizens, Citizens right? correct, yes. Uh, founded in Corpus Christi, Texas by middle-class Latinos. Um, it's known, the, you know, the most well-known Hispanic civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. They wanted to, uh, to bridge the gap uh, between, uh, you know, what Anglo people make and what Hispanic people were making at the time. And the best way to do that is through education, right? Go to school, get an education. Yeah. You know, don't complain about things, right? Like voting, you know, yeah. don't, don't complain about it. Get educated, register to vote, make mm -hmm. your vote count, things like that. So, um, so LULAC just has a lot of many different hats, but my passion is the education branch. When I started with LULAC, like seven years ago, six years ago, not long ago it was, <laughs> it was as a volunteer, right? It's how they rope you in as a volunteer. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I became the education committee chair and then a VP. And actually this is my second consecutive year of being the president of LULAC. And oh. we typically only have one president per year. But uh, guess what? They voted me again in a meeting that I happened to miss. The one meeting <laughs> that I happened to miss, like, we, we voted. <laughs> and so it, it, it all gets voted in. We, we make it very, uh, very fair. And uh, no, I love it. That, that actually is my passion, education. Because um, our youth is our future, right? Yeah. So we got to make sure we invest in them. And uh, we are so underrepresented for as much as we do and as much talent as we have within our community. We are very underrepresented in Oh, yeah. NWA in the United States. Oh, definitely. In everything. In everything. Absolutely. Well, and, and as important now as ever, you know, we, we just had a bunch of census data come out and shows how di how much diversity there really is in Northwest Arkansas. I think I saw that Northwest uh, Springdale is about 37% uh, Hispanic or Latino, uh, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, almost half of the population at this point. Um, and I believe that's <laughs> underreported, but then you go into all the other absolutely towns. absolutely is unrecorded yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so you have so you've besides lulac um one of the things that you also get involved with is with el vestido rojo event mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about that i was telling you a little bit off air that i i see a lot of people that are my friends on facebook always post about and i have a, a small grasp of like why that event's being done but can you can you kind of give us a rundown for everybody that doesn't know about yes, that event sir. Vestido Rojo is uh, hosted by the American Heart Association. Uh, we didn't have an event last year due to the pandemic, okay. but uh, typically, actually, uh, the Civic Center is where we typically okay. have it. So, um, great people. Uh, Leti Vega is one of the members, so she helps us out a lot. And uh, it's um, so Latino women, right? We take care of everybody. Siempre estamos regañando, right? A todo mundo, pero no cuidamos nosotras. We don't take care of ourselves. So um, Vestido Rojo is great because um, uh, local hospitals, many local clinics, doctors and nurses come together to put a day like a free clinic para la mujer latina. Okay. And so they come and get free health screenings, uh, check, oh, in, you know, they, they check their heart, their blood pressure, things like that. They uh, 
they teach us how to eat better, right? So, you know, it's interesting because I think I learned this my first year and it stuck with me. So, uh, you guys are Latinos, so you'll be able to relate. At our house, right, we always have like, el plato con carne asada, rice and beans, and a tortilla, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't have more than one grain. Mm -hmm. But we have three, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, you know, that's a no-no. Yeah, yeah. So, Those tortillas um, by their own, they're already yeah, so people, pretty dangerous. And not just that, but you know, um, I don't know about in Mexico, but in El Salvador, we make tortillas and we eat them that day, right? They're yeah. not good the next day. They yeah. start getting ligosas, and they're not good. Mm -hmm. So here, though, the tortillas, they sit on a shelf for days, weeks. So you, God knows what kind of stuff they put in them for them to last that long. Mm. So that's how long it takes for our body to break them down. Not, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I'm just saying this is what I learned. So I was very impressed because <laughs> it stuck with me. Because I was one of those, right? Yeah. Arroz, frijoles, queso fresco, crema, oh. tortillas. Man, she's saying all this, but I'm, that's what I'm about to go do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hungry, so... Yeah, yeah, but you know, so it's just giving information to people. And I think uh, my second year of story that stuck with me was a lady that went, and the doctor told her, you you need to go to the hospital. We have to put you on medication. Your blood pressure's too high. You, need, you know, she said, I can't. I only came here because this was free. Um, but my husband's not going to let me go. And he was like, go to my clinic. This is my business card. I'm not going to charge you anything. And so um, at the point it is is that it's to, to bring awareness, uh, health awareness, uh, a la mujer latina. And uh, a lot of times they're scared too, you know. They don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. So if it's a gala and they get to dress up and look pretty, even though they're going for a health screening, yeah. we get to, you know, network. Um, it makes it a little easier. And sometimes when they see somebody else doing it, maybe somebody that they know, I was originally invited to Vestido Rojo by Noemi Barragan, uh, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. She was, uh, she kind of spearheaded everything, and uh, she knew me from Salvadoreños Unidos through my mom. Okay. And so she's like, a lot of people know you. I want you to come because I want you to bring more, more Latino women. We need them. I want mm -hmm. you to be a madrina. And so I've been holding the the crown de Vestido Rojo, soy la reina de Vestido Rojo, uh, for two years running only because we couldn't host an event last year. I'm sure uh. I'm going to lose that crown this year. But I, well, hey, no, we I'm got faith gonna, in you. We got faith in you. Yeah, well, Triple I'm going to keep my crown. They're going to have yeah. to issue a new one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love wearing that crown. No, but it's all about um, health awareness, right, in, in La Mujer Latina. And, and a lot of times because um, we're always working or because um, our families um, are not as well off as, you know, other communities, they have to work two to three jobs, so they're not at home taking care of their kids, right? So much less do they have time to study. What should they mm -hmm. eat? Should they be having this many grains? So having one day for them a year, it's a wonderful thing that the American Heart Association does. Yeah. That machista culture is toxic because, I mean, it's, uh, let's be honest, it's sometimes the men that don't like that put everything on the woman and just expect everything to be easy after they work mm -hmm. and unfortunately what happens is that the woman is not able to take care of herself uh, like she should mm -hmm. you know so yeah. we definitely need to defeat that well, that culture and also just information the, the mm -hmm. ease of information i think uh like you said the community parents have to work maybe one or two or three jobs at a time they don't have time to go see the doctor maybe they can't afford insurance they don't have that undocumented that. you can't get insurance mm -hmm. so it's it's expensive to try to go and learn yeah. about that information and uh you know there's lots of research that shows that uh communities of color have a, a higher rate of all kinds of health um conditions because Diabetes. of yeah lo lack of information so a huge amazing uh organization the stigmatism too and different things you know yeah. um, something i learned actually uh, when we hosted a mobile salvadorian consulate uh, in february uh, we had a lady that fell in the parking lot and she broke her arm mm. so we need to take her to to the er right so i took her to the er and um, springdale 37 percent population hispanic right mm -hmm. 
they don't have a bilingual person. They yeah. don't have somebody to translate. Yeah, it's insane. So we had to have one of our members stay and translate. You would think that that's yeah. such a HIPAA, OSHA, some sort of violation, right? But what do you do? She was like, stay, stay with me because she couldn't speak English and yeah. nobody could translate for her in Probably Springdale, terrified. Arkansas. Yeah, I had no idea. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, just just little things on how un underrepresented we are, right? right? As talented, as community as we are, as hardworking as we are, why aren't we in that field? Why aren't we in that hospital? Why, you know, yeah. it's just many different things that makes you wonder. And that's one of those things where like they, I mean, as a kid, like our parents would be the ones that'd be like, hey, can you go with me to the doctor? Yes. <laughs> like, can you I'd be, I was interpreting when I was 10 years old, I right? I remember being 12 years old and interpreting immigration issues. And I was like, I don't know what this word means because <laughs> I've never learned that word, right? Yeah, I'll be make, I've already talked, this about, talked about this on another episode, but you know, one time I tried to interpret for my dad who was like in the hospital and mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, the doctor was trying to say uh, pulmon, mm -hmm. and and I was thinking lungs, mm -hmm. so I interpreted it as lonjas. <laughs> and I told my dad, he said, "Que las lonjas that you, you got problems." <laughs> and my dad was like, "Yo, I'm skinny, bro. Like, what's going on?" That's but right. like, but we try, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I don't want to say kids nowadays don't do it, but. I feel like back in the day, it was more like we were thrown into the lion's den. We're not, yeah. we don't like learn those words in school either, you know? It's it's not like uh, there's Spanish English dictionaries or, or a bunch of Spanish speaking teachers mm -hmm. um, exactly. in, in the school districts that are yeah. going to be able to tell you, hey, this is how you say uh, lungs in, in Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's why you have a lot of Yo Sapo kids. You know, yeah. So, yeah. I was. I was. You probably I, still are, but I, somebody I'm, had to correct I'm you. I've I can't relate, but. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I can relate in the opposite way of that, I suppose. Um, sometimes I feel ridiculous if I'm doing an interview for one of our events or something and it's all in Spanish mm. and there's a word that doesn't come to me. Yeah. Or even at my yeah. job, right? I'm talking to a business owner. And there's a word that doesn't come to me, so I'm always like, yo sé que tengo cara de nopal, but it just this word. And so my mom, because my mom always gets on to me, how do you not know that? Yeah. Well, what happens, mom, is that I learned that word in English only when I was going to school in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I don't know how to translate yeah. that word. You know, like I, when I translated material for vestido rojo for yeah. them to speak, um, I remember Vico was up there. He was looking at this word. He was like, who in the world translated this? I know he was thinking that. Yeah. And so he just supplemented it with something else right yeah. but a lot of the times i have to go to google for certain words and yeah. then you know figure out oh this is what mm -hmm. it's trying to say to kind of you know speak right. to the has gotten better than yeah. it was yeah. than it was years prior it was pretty bad like four or five years ago um and it i was also, still pretty bad <laughs> it, it's gone a little bit better because i remember like uh for me it, i i try my best to put information out in spanish and english mm -hmm. sometimes i don't do it right and I get criticized a lot for that. Like I'll get people in my community reply and be like, can't you put this in Spanish? And sometimes I don't have time, right? Mm -hmm. But I also have people that will call me out on my spelling with my enyes and like with my accents and stuff when I don't get it right. And I'm like, yo, but I'm trying to deliver a message. Yeah. I, I am bad about criticizing about that in my own organization. Yeah. Sometimes somebody will put a post on Facebook and I'll be like, mom, who posted that? <laughs> and I'll go in there and it, you know, I'll edit it all and change it. I would I would like that, you know, I think it's it should be like a community effort where like if someone doesn't put something help out you yeah. know but instead of calling out call in well I, yeah I, right I, I also think a lot of my parents aren't as educated as 
my generation is, right? You know, True. me and my siblings, we all got to go to college, but my parents didn't. They were always working. Mm-hmm. You know, they they came to the United States when they were 17 and just started working immediately. So, you know, sometimes the older generation doesn't have that grammatical education that we yeah. do. So I, I think it does take that. But to your point about like learning words, my, my sister's a speech therapist and she talks about how bilingual children sometimes end up speaking later in life, you know, parents be afraid that they're, they're going to be mute their entire lives, but it's because they're thinking of everything in two languages. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they de- de- develop a stutter. Um, I, I had like a little bit of a stutter when I was really little. Even now I catch myself like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some words I'll just trip up on, but it's because, you know, your, your brain is, is thinking of languages. In Do you think way. in Spanish or English? Both. I don't know. I, <laughs> That's I, a hard one, I, right? I think. Well, I I honestly Both. think it de- it depends on the situation. Yes. Uh, I I think I I think in English a little more, yeah. and lately. Um, but when I'm around like my parents, uh, I think of in Spanish. Yeah, depends on who you're around with. And then yeah. you can also change like, do you change your accents when you're around certain people? Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like when I was like my Guanajuato people, like we talk different. <laughs> you know, we talk different than with my Salvadorian friends yeah. or with my like. Uh, English-speaking friends. Right. Yeah, my, my girlfriend says I, I talk to my mom differently than I would talk to her mom. Um, mm. I say a lot more a vos instead of uh, oh, uh, a usted. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. Then when you talk to me, you call me dog sometimes. Yeah, what's up, dog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a, I've never had anybody call me dog. <laughs> yeah. kind of, but that's my dog. But I got, I got adjusted to it, so we go, we go cheat. But, um, so besides that, there's other stuff that you do in the community. Can you talk a little bit about, I think you, you were mentioning um, something specific besides yeah. um, besides the Rojo, besides the Salvadorian Multiple Festival, vaccine. how you try to, oh, the, the vaccination clinic as well, but then also I think the something consulate? about uh, mm-hmm. supporting, it was like about supporting community in a specific way. I mean, goodness, I, I think that everything that I do is supporting the community in a specific way, True. but um, so, uh, through Salvadoreños Unidos para Arkansas, I got to um, network with uh, Sal- the Salvadorian government a lot. And so I've had the pleasure of meeting uh, Ambassador Mayorga, uh, El Ministro del Exterior, uh, El Señor Consul, que maneja Dallas and Houston. And uh, we brought a lot of uh, mobile Salvadorian consulates to Northwest Arkansas in the last three years actually. They had not been here for many years before uh, for whatever issue. But we work with them, we're able to bring him to help the Salvadorian community. Mm-hmm. Typically a consulate will run about 200 passports a day. I can tell you that when we bring him, we they run about 500. Wow. So they do a lot of work. There's a lot of need in this area. Yeah. So due to that need, um, the Salvadorian government, uh, Presidente Bukele approved uh, Salvadorian consulate in Arkansas. So at first they approved it and they were looking at Little Rock because all the consulates for other countries are in the capital. But through some data, through census, through signatures, through um, just a lot of communication, I guess, and support from the dignitaries, we were able to, they approved it in Northwest Arkansas. I actually met with Ambassador Mallorca about a month ago. And um, she said that we're good now. We just need to find a location in Springdale, Rogers, Fayetteville. So NWA, this is the first time that NWA will host a consulate yeah. for another nation like that's never happened anywhere in any big city it's yeah, always no. in the capital of the you know of the state so this is a big deal for nwa hopefully it's going to bring a lot of jobs but it's going to more than anything it's going to help the salvadorian community because um 
right now, si están indocumentados, they have to take off work, right? Then they're risking driving to Dallas, which is the nearest center, yes. if they have an appointment, if they know how to book an appointment, right? So um, this will also help all the businesses because people no longer have to take their vacation time to go take care of an immigration matter, right? Mm -hmm. They can do it on their lunch break. And now they can actually use their vacation to rest or do whatever they need to do, which that's makes true. them, you know, yeah. more refreshed for work. That's so cool. it has a lot, of, a lot of benefits. So that's a huge accomplishment. It's a big deal. I've uh, been working on that since 2019. Mm -hmm. um, um, kind of put a pause on it and during the pandemic and then of course when we had the change in office here it also had a pause everything and they had to renegotiate mm. but we are good to go we have the thumbs up uh, so we're just looking for a location now that's so cool I get messages all the time like Salvadorian people would be like yeah I know the Mexican <laughs> consulate comes here all yeah. the time yeah. mm -hmm. but when when is the, the Salvadorian consulate gonna come and I'm just like and I'll go look at the consulate page, right. and there's not much information as mm -hmm. to when it's coming on. Like, it's like Dallas. That's so, it. So, and in, in not just that, but we had a huge deal. They made an exception uh, back in uh, December of 2020, and they let the mobile consulate come, even though all consulates were closed due to the mm. pandemic. And so we just had to follow, you know, guidelines and rules and get all the permits that we needed to get. But it was a big deal. We actually yeah. had people here. Um, on record that came from Houston, from uh, Tennessee, from Mississippi, from Missouri, from Kansas. Nice. All these people came here because all the consulates were closed. And wow. so we were actually hosting them. The line, they were backing, I mean, they, they had backed up traffic all the way to 71B. Police, uh, Springfield Police showed up a few times. They were like, man, we're giving you a ticket. Because I'm like, I'm not blocking the traffic. I told, <laughs> I told these people that, not to do that. Like, yeah. I, you know, pero la comunidad no entiende a veces, yeah. you know. And, and people like to criticize. I, I get I get that a lot. You know, I'll post my videos and they'll go on there and blast me and they'll be like, this is so unorganized. And I'm like, hey, I need more help. By yeah. all means, please come help me organize it better. And, and they don't say anything else. <laughs> no, nobody like, ever shows up. <laughs> going back into our little cave right, yes, after criticizing. Yes, yes. So that's a, that's a, that's a big deal. It's, it's a huge accomplishment for Northwest Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Para la comunidad salvadoreña. And so um, I know the nearest uh, Mexico consulate is in Little Rock, but they yeah. have been closed as well mm -hmm. and working very, very remotely. So um, we're working on something with them, too. Please do not hate on my page. I, I'm not giving <laughs> you a date. It was just something we're working on to also help um, our brothers and sisters from Mexico so yeah. that we can have something in NWA for them as well. That's yeah. so cool. And people need to remember, Jessica's not the consul herself. No, I am you know? not. You're about to get some I'm only a volunteer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I work with them. It's <laughs> one thing that's, to help that's you. tough for organizers. Yes. Yeah. And you but, got to meet uh, Bukele, right? Yes, in uh, November Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I don't know. Do we have time? Yeah, we do. We're okay. Good. All right. <laughs> I How much time do we need? Because we have, you said 30 minutes, and I still got a lot of information about the vaccinations and things, too. Yeah, go ahead. Well, what I can share is that... Before we got the ball rolling on asking for the mobile consulates, um, for some reason, I don't know, this area had been banned, we have a group they have been working with, I don't know who they are, I don't really care. Yeah. So um, finally, they, they got tired of all my letters, right? So we were writing to the consulate, they weren't responding to us, so that's what my mom said, I una carta presidente. And I was like, yeah, he's not gonna read it, he's not gonna get that. But I, I, I wrote the letter, right? Because mm. my mother told me to. <laughs> and we sent it. We got a response from the secretary. Wow. And uh, they were like, hey, uh, we're going to be in St. Mary's University in Los Angeles, California. If you can make the trip, we'll give you a pass. Oh. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. But it was kind of bad. Uh, we didn't accomplish everything that we needed to accomplish because they had the wildfires. Yeah. And so they were really close to St. Mary's. So we kind of had to end things short. Mm. But um, I always tell everybody that, that Presidente Bukele is mi novio. Mm. 
platónico. Pero, of course, I love Gabriela, his wife. She's just I was about gorgeous. to say he's got a wife, right? Yeah, she's gorgeous. Uh, but, you know, those cosas eran yeah. amores platónicos. No, but I think he's just done a lot of great things for the country. I think he's really helped the, helped the nation out a lot. He's made a lot of changes. Um, even through the pandemic, people thought that he was maybe a little, you know, overtight with the rules, but yeah. it helped, right? Yeah. And he made sure that his people were fed and everybody was taken care of. And so sometimes people don't want to take care of themselves, you know, and people have to step in. And if you have the power to make a decision for them, why not? And not that I'm not in any means saying that I approve any type of dictatorship. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, Let me correct myself. They'll get you for that. So yes, because somebody <laughs> will. Somebody out there heard this and they're like, it's oh, okay. she she wants them to. No, but that's not the case. I just think that um, I really like the changes that he's made. Yeah. I think that the country has progressed a lot. Uh, they're yeah. developing. When I met with uh, the Minister of the Exterior, uh, we got to talk about how they're developing land. You know, we've always had the one airport, uh, El Aeropuerto Internacional de San Salvador, and now they're already building the one in, in Loriente. Mm -hmm. So now there is opportunity for people from the U.S. to want to invest in the country if okay. they want to. Um, and, you know, they get like a tax benefit as well. So um, they can invest in uh, other resorts because La um, Playa del Tunco is like overrun now, right? Yeah. But there's many other beaches and the country is beautiful in many other places. So, um, He's definitely done a lot for the country, developing the country. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I, he's just super uber smart, right? Yeah. So another thing that he's done is, uh, for some reason, the previous president uh, got a study from uh, UCLA and Harvard, right? Which is great. I mean, great universities, right? But they did a study and they told him that they didn't think it was worth it to grow our own grains in El Salvador, right? That we needed to just, the Salvador needed to import. So what happened was that they stopped growing coffee, which is one of our best things that we ever do, right? Mm. And my CEO and my ease was frijoles. So they started importing, but then they're importing, so they're paying for the product and they're paying taxes on that product. But it's crazy that we could we were already growing in, in the country, right? So that's something that uh, Bukele is changing too. So if people want to invest in that, is uh, they're going to get back, back to basics. Sometimes you've got to get back to basics and yeah. start growing the grains again. Of course, you know, you have to prepare the land and it'll take a while, but... But he's looking at the future, right? Looking long term, and I, I think that's so beneficial because if people, um, if we're all happy uh, where we are, if we can provide for our families, then we're gonna stay there, right? And so it's gonna, it's gonna lessen the immigration mm -hmm. toll because people will be able to provide for their families and uh, they'll be able to have better lives because they no longer have to worry about, you know, La Guerrilla or, yeah. or things like that that they were running from. And now they, they can have jobs, they can have the grains to provide for the family, and, and the country's at peace. Yeah. So I And low COVID cases. I mean, that was that's one what I'm saying. Thing. That's I the mean, one thing that was like, it's you, so great. You talk about a country that's 7 million people, but it's maybe the size of... Arkansas. No, smaller, the size of Northwest Arkansas. 7 million people in the size of Northwest Arkansas, and they had less cases than all of the U.S. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. That's so Very cool. commendable. So yeah. I get to meet a lot of cool people, um, and it's interesting uh, because... I only get to meet him because I'm like, what can you do for our community? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like you're just holding people accountable, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're pretty. You speak pretty, but what's real? What's tangible? So what's yeah. tangible? And so... Because um, you probably hear from so many people, what I do all the time, of people that just want to tell you what you want to hear, but not really do anything. Yeah. And so um, I'm very direct, I guess. So uh, the ambassador told me that. She pulled me aside <laughs> after a meeting and she was like, you and I need to get together. Uh, it, it was great. I have some pictures I can share with you. Oh, yeah. But uh, so uh, I'm very direct. I, they were showing the math or something, the financials. And I was like, hey, that doesn't make sense. 
and then they all they all looked at me you know and you're in an office that means like all oh, this cap is from the government right and they were just like what's off and i was like well your percentage is off i mean <laughs> and so um doing my math on my phone right like they probably thought i was texting or you know facebook <laughs> like, like most yeah. millennials right but i was not i was doing the math and then i showed him and he was like huh hold on a second and then he called somebody else who put the slideshow together right oh, okay. and then they're like oh it's because those numbers are just to compare to the what the panamanian government is doing versus what i was like oh well then you should say that on your slide because <laughs> yeah, like, does that not say that you know sense. so you just the thing is, is when you meet these people sometimes a lot of people um you'll never see on my on my social media you know my friends social media you won't see me posting pictures with people uh you won't see me uh advocating myself i, I think that i've gotten more uh known in 2020 only because everything went virtual <laughs> Yeah. So in order to get the effectiveness, the effectiveness that I needed for all the organizations I work with, I had to do everything on social media and I had to post about it, right? Um, but other than that, I think that when we do the work, we do it for the community, not yeah. for ourselves. And a lot of people mistake that. And so I think that that's also why um, Salvadorinos Unidos para Arkansas is very efficient because people feel like they can come to us and ask us for help. A lot of times people don't ask for help because they're embarrassed, right? Because what, what's the first thing people do is take a picture with them and post it on social media. Mm -hmm. I help so-and-so, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and, and people don't want that. They're already embarrassed. I don't know about you guys, but if I ever need a favor, I mean, I will dwell and dwell on, I don't even want to ask my own mother for a favor, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, so can you imagine for somebody to have to go ask a stranger, like, hey, I can't pay Look my rent. Look I helped out with food today. Yeah. And so, you know, somebody <laughs> to show up, like, yeah, I, I helped them pay the rent. So, um, yeah. I, so that's the important thing about um, what we do is that you're not, we're going to tell you about community events. We're going to ask you to come help us. We're going to ask for volunteers. We're going to talk about all the fun stuff, right? But all the behind the scenes on how we help the community, we have that on record. We have to have it for tax purposes. We have to show where everything goes. Um, but we always ask for permission, and we always tell them we're not going to share it on social media. We do share it with the, within the organizations. And uh, it's the same thing with LULAC, you know. Typically, the students want to be on camera, and they want their pictures taken, like yeah. their scholarship recipient. But if they don't want to, we don't force them. So typically, we'll have five or ten students, and we have more than 30 recipients per year. Yeah. So, um, so it's, just, it's just about giving um, the credit to the organization and not myself, right? So when I get to meet all the school people, I know that I'm not representing Jessica Aguilar. Right, I'm representing whatever organization I'm there with. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just so happens that I can talk about all four of the organizations because right. I'm with people like you guys. But mm -hmm. typically, whenever I go to do something, I, it's about the foundations and what they're doing for the community and how we can help. Yeah. Okay. And then the vaccination clinics. Yes. So, um, well, Salvadorians Unidos para Arkansas has a new office. Super. Super. <laughs> yay. Super Salvadorians. Super Yes. We love acronyms. Um, so we have a new office in Springdale, Arkansas. Uh, the owner of C3 is one of our members. And so uh, we have an office there now. Uh, it's a car lot, but it has a huge parking structure. So we're going to be doing a mobile clinic awesome. for the Latino community, well, all the community, but we want mostly the Latino community to please get vaccinated. Yes. Um, I don't know why people don't want to get vaccinated. It's, it's about not just your health, but you know everybody else's health as well. So it's very important, and uh, for some reason, the Latino community, our numbers, once again, we're underrepresented, right? Mm -hmm. Underrepresented in everything, including getting the vaccines. There's a lot of misinformation out there, too. People would just be believing mm -hmm. random Facebook videos that talk about how you're not going to be able to have kids if you get the vaccine, which is false. Yeah, that's so not true. We can't believe, we shouldn't believe those kind of things. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, and I mean. You, that's September. 
September 18th at okay. 2679 North Thompson Street in Springdale. That's how you know she's a good organizer. <laughs> she's remembering directions like that. The address. Yeah. The time. Yeah. <laughs> Three days after the Concierto Marco Antonio Solis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so no excuse. Three days. No okay. excuse. So come yeah. join us. Uh, please come show some support. Show up and, uh, you know, um, get vaccinated. We're also going to um, try to maybe have a small kermesse there. So um, Okay. We'll have food, we'll have music, you know how we do it. It'll Yay. be fun. But more than anything, uh, just get vaccinated. If you're still scared to get vaccinated, <laughs> come get some information. Come talk to a professional. So we're partnering up with Walmart Pharmacy. And uh, we're going to be out there uh, making sure that we do our part in helping the community, right? So, uh, en español se les va a hablar muy bien. Si quieren inglés, hey. también en inglés. So, hey. um, if you parle vous François, you know, we'll try. <laughs> we'll but let's out. do French. it. Let's Sorry. do it. Yeah. So, uh, it's about the community. It's about all of us, right? That's not, so cool. not just one of us. So, September 18th, 2679 North Thompson Street. Come check us out. Come see us. Come enjoy some good pupusas Ooh. and music. And also, have you guys heard about Haunted Nightmares, uh, Haunted House in Bella Vista, the one that does the buzzes? The yeah, night, right? absolutely. I didn't, but when I saw your notes and I said haunted, I was like, I'm in. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we need volunteers. Um, but Sign you can also, up. if you don't want to be a volunteer. So I am, I get super scared. Okay. So okay. I, I'm scared of everything. So every year <laughs> that I go, I would like to play hide, like, you know, behind whomever I'm with. Like my face is buried yeah. in their shoulders. Covered because, up. Yes. Yeah. Because I get scared. <laughs> so, um. Especially clowns. I'm terrified of clowns. And Love clowns. But I <laughs> <laughs> she, she just checked the corner for them. Yeah, yeah. She's just like looking around. Is there a clown? There's a clown. Yeah, somebody's going to jump out at me. But um, so um, the cool thing about the Nightmares Hunted House is that they partner with local um, non, uh, you know, nonprofit foundations, right? And everything that they raise from the Hunted House, they distribute amongst nonprofit organizations, but whomever oh. they're partnering with that year, get a bigger cut so that means that we're able to help more people that's cool right so um but we're gonna be doing all the work behind the scenes so i was like i'm in because this time i get to dress up and i get to jump by and scare somebody right nobody's <laughs> oh, gonna be scaring yeah, me there you go. so so that's pretty cool so we're get, we're working on that so if okay. you'd like to sign up and be a volunteer um of course you know they're in but if you're listening to this uh follow us on facebook at salvadoreños unidos para Arcanza, on our webpage at supa1.org and uh you're gonna yeah, get messages about the consulate, about the oh, haunted all of bus. It. Yeah, it's about to blow what up. What else? We have vestido rojo. People are gonna yeah, get you about so everything. Yeah, so we don't have a date for vestido rojo yet, but we are with the American Heart Association at least doing an outdoor walk, and that'll okay. be posted on my personal page as well. So uh, you're doing a lot. I I try. Keep you know, it up. we're proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So you know what it is? Is uh, they've always said. Uh, be grateful that you're in a position of helping and not in Definitely. the position of needing help, right? Definitely. And I don't take that for granted. You know, um, I was born and raised in a third world country, right? So, mm -hmm. so I definitely see the opportunities. This is definitely the land of the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you don't take advantage of it, what are you doing? Yeah. Right? If you have the opportunity to take advantage, not everybody has the same opportunities. I mean, I, I've been blessed enough that I've been able to connect with the right people. Because sometimes just being... Sometimes working hard is not enough. Because mm -hmm. I work hard, but sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes yeah. being smart is not enough. Yeah. Right? You have to... Oppression is real. Oppression is real. Yes. Yeah, so you have to, like, meet the right person at the right time mm -hmm. and, and seize the opportunity. 
because if you don't then you're gonna miss that bus right and so uh, when we're in the, in the position to be able to help others we have to do it it's, it's what we must do um, so no I, I love it I love being able to help others and uh, I do catch a lot of slack sometimes from people that think that I don't do enough or I don't do it well enough but I do do Same. it from the heart it's part of it's part of it's part of doing community work you're always gonna get people that praise you but you're always gonna get people that but usually the people that don't like what you're doing are way less than the people that praise you for your work yeah so right they're doing a lot less yeah and then yeah and then, then they're not doing the work so it's like they're criticizing but not doing the work so, so you, know. you know um one well i've heard a few times i guess people sometimes say that I'm, i might be a little whitewash right and uh it, it's not I'm whitewash. I'm very proud of who I am and where I come from, and I know how I got here, and I know where I'm going. I have a plan, but um, unfortunately, Latinos don't get involved enough. You know, every time they ask for volunteers, um, most of the people that volunteer are Caucasian people, mm. right? The gringos. They're the ones always willing to help. Yeah. You know, and uh, you don't know how many times when I, I worked at a big corporation here locally and uh, uh, was one of the founders of an organization called Latinos Engaged in Advancing and Developing. And I would ask my Latino friends, people that, you know, worked in the next cubicle that I did business with, and they'd be like, I don't have time. And no fans, Manny, but, you know, they were like a Manny, right? No <laughs> kids, you know, having fun. They still have a girlfriend. Oh, I was like, being called out. But, you know, my point is, is that yeah. you, could, you could make a little time, right? Because mm -hmm. I was like, dang, well, I have three kids. I work full time. I travel for my job. Yeah. I work with three nonprofits. Mm -hmm. I work with the consulate. And if I can make time to go to the Springdale School Districts and read a book to a kid, yeah. you can make the time. Yeah. Right? But they just don't want to. We just don't want to. A lot of times we just don't want to do it. Well, hopefully hearing people hearing what you're doing, everything that you're doing, which is a lot, they get some motivation that can be like, I can at least get involved with at least one of these organizations yeah. that Jessica's awesome. a part of. But we're super appreciative of everything you do. Oh, and uh, I'm glad that we... Uh, now know each other yes, so maybe next too. time whenever the Salvadoran festival happens you can come and promote it and uh, Manny can be organizing it too. <laughs> oh, I'm recruiting you guys. I, I've yeah, already hey. recruited you. You're you're spoken for. I'm getting your cell phone numbers before I leave up, here. Sign me yes. up. Well, thank you once again. Uh, that's the end of this episode, episode one of two of the District 3 podcast. And uh, we're signing off. Catch you all next week. Thanks. Peace.